Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the, I guess we would say the Christmas Eve Eve edition. I, I got to thinking, I said, you know what? I, I don't know that I really want to work on Friday. It's Christmas Eve. I'll be with uh, with family. And uh said, you know what? Let me go ahead and knock out this show on Thursday. We'll just run it a day early. How about that? We'll just get it done. It's what we do here at the Boneyard. We just get it done. So we're going to have the show today. Again, don't know how long we go. Maybe it's an hour or so. You know, there's not a lot to talk about in many respects when it comes to rooting interest. You know, we've got you know, some ball games coming up on the men's and women's side of things. But right now, the focus is on family. Put together three articles over on Gene's page on Wednesday, including the Boneyard. We'll have one again today. But uh, the reality of it is, is that um, this is the time for family. And uh, many of us have taken some time off. And, uh, you know, it's such a grind to get to National Signing Day. I mean, it really is. It, it is we are constantly on the phone. It's one of those things that I don't know that the casual fan fully appreciates, you know, especially when you've got some highly contested recruitments that are going down to the wire. Even if you feel like you have it right, you stay on the phone because things change so rapidly. Things change. It's like with Marcus Banks earlier this week. Our folks at Miami, our Miami publishers, they were out there and said, hey, I've never felt better about my crystal ball pick than I do right now. And then hours later, he's committed to Mississippi State. And of course, we all love to feel like that our guys have it right, you know. And fortunately, most of the time we do. You know, Paul Jones and I don't always see eye to eye on, on recruits. And that doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong. It's just we talk to different people at times. And sometimes you get a different read. And we compare notes sometimes, too. But the reality of it is we try to keep that separate because we feel like if we both agree, then we've got it right. And if we were all talking to the same person, you know, that person could have the wrong read on it and we could be wrong too. But we talk to different people. I talk to a lot of high school coaches, talk to people sometimes close to recruits who say, hey, what's really the deal here? And so when we get together, if we both are projecting a player to go to Mississippi State, more times than not, you can feel really good about that. But there are times – we're hearing different things. And that was the case for Marcus Banks. You know, last week I was told, you know what, hey, things aren't looking real good for Mississippi State. And now he's committed to Mississippi State. You know, Paul has kind of felt really good about Mississippi State getting him since the official visit. You know, it's been kind of an up-and-down deal. And and the, and what, what happened on Monday is kind of indicative of that, the fact that he was ready to commit to Miami – and it commits to Mississippi State. And so, so yeah, there was some smoke to all of that. But at the end of the day, he's committed to Mississippi State. Got It's got to hang on. But, again, as I said on yesterday's show, he committed to Mississippi State for a reason. Nobody told him to do that. Nobody pressured him to do that. He tweeted that graphic out of his own volition. His mom went out and bought a Mississippi State welcome mat and tweeted that out. If I didn't make you feel better about things, I don't know what will. So I explained yesterday kind of what this procedure is like. I think it's important for you guys, uh, again, to kind of know the ins and outs. A lot of casual fans don't understand the legalities about all this. And you say, well, I don't understand why we had announced him as a signee. Well, that's why. We explained it. Can't officially sign yet. There's something binding yet. That needs to change. I'm not going to belabor the point. But, uh, you know, one of our top stories today, Texas A&M backside of the Gator Bowl. I got a lot of strong opinions about this. So the first thing that I'll tell you, I got absolutely no clue if Texas A&M is telling the truth or not. I said we take them at their word. 
But there's a part of me, the conspiracy theorist in me, which is a big part of me, I wonder how much not having a quarterback factors into this decision. You know, you got some opt-outs, you got some injuries, and all of a sudden, well, we can't play because we got COVID. You know, you know, here's what I – I had this discussion with Mike Nemeth on the phone uh, on Thursday or Wednesday, whatever day it is. And Mike and I talked about this. You know, if we got into a situation where Will Rogers was unable to play, God forbid, we would go out there with Sawyer Robertson and we would compete. If for some reason Sawyer Robertson couldn't play, we'd go out there with Chance Levertich and we'd compete. And if for some reason if all three of those guys couldn't play, we'd go out there with Daniel Greek and we'd compete. You, know, you saw it last year. Time we had, what, you know, 45, 43 players had to go on the road and play, and we competed. I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around this whole deal with this A&M thing. They're backing out, so now it looks like a 5-7 and seven team will be playing in a Gator Bowl. We should be playing in a Gator Bowl if that's the case. And it wasn't too long ago when A&M folks were whining and complaining they never got to go to a Florida Bowl game. Now you've got an opportunity to go, and chances are you're going to lose. It's a good Wake Forest team you're expected to play. And now you're not going to go and compete. And, again, I don't know everything behind all this. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I just think it's a bad look for A&M. I think it's a bad look for the SEC. I mean, we've got an SEC bowl tie-in. I think the payout of this game is, what, $5.4, 5500000 So that's less money that will be coming to the conference because of this decision. Now, how do you criticize A&M? How do you, you know, hey, what if all this is true? What if they're just, you know, COVID testing has just limited the roster to the point they can't compete? You know, I don't know. I just don't feel real good about it. I think it's a bad look for the league. I think it's a bad look for A&M. And, and maybe, you know, again, maybe I'm being too heavy-handed with this. But, you know, next year when we get ready to hand out the bowl pairings, I'm not going to give any deference to A&M because I don't know if they're going to show up. Again, I don't know about the testing. Could all be legit. It just it stinks to me, man. It really does. Nine days for the bowl game? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to pick the rest of the games, and uh, we're going to talk about you know, kind of what to expect in the postseason. I'll be honest with you. I don't expect a strong SEC bowl season. I don't. I think between opt-outs and some mediocrity in the league this year, I think it could be a disappointing year for the SEC. And, of course, the money still spends the same, right? You don't get paid more for winning. You get paid for participating in these games. It's not like a prize fight where the winner takes the purse. The reality of it is is we're all going to make the same amount of money. But it's just interesting to me. It really is. Some of these matchups I don't think are advantageous to SEC schools. We're going to break all that stuff down. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love going in there. I was a Bulldog Burger connoisseur prior to their sponsorship of this show. It's been a great marriage for us. I think they've got some brand awareness because of this show and because of you folks and your loyalty to me and to this show, and I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. Bulldog Burger Company is basically a gift you give yourself. You could eat just about anywhere, but why not go somewhere that knows how to get it done? There is a consistency in what they do. There are a lot of people that say, Steve, I like the national chains because it tastes the same all around the country. I don't know that I agree. I like to eat local whenever I can. 
But Bulldog Burger Company is a local place that has consistency in the portions, in the quality of service, in the quality of the meal prep. Everything, to me, it's, every time I go there, it's a good experience. And that's rare in these days. I mean, it really is. A lot of places you go, and sometimes you catch them on a bad night. And I'm not going to sit here and say Bulldog Burger Company is perfect, but pretty close. I love going in there. You will, too. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive there in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street and Tupelo and the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Got a text message from Brooks Bryan yesterday. Having a spring rolls, man. And if you've seen Brooks, you know, you know what? He's getting a little bit older. He could be a little bit better looking. I'm glad to see he's added the spring rolls to his regimen. Outstanding friend. And it's nice to see the sponsors kind of working together, right? Got Brooks Bryan out there supporting Bulldog Burger Company. You should too. Go check them out today. Have the spring rolls. Tell them that I sent you. You have a great experience. Okay, let's talk bowl games. You know, we had one. We've already got we've already got an L on the books. Thanks to Missouri. Now, of course, I did. I told you guys we're going to announce the picks on today's show. I picked Army to win the game, and I can prove it. You can go over to jeanspage.com and you can read the bowl pick article. I actually thought Missouri would beat them. I mean, Army would win a little more handily because of that Missouri run defense is so leaky. I picked it Army 31, Missouri 20. It ended up being a much better ball game. How cool is that? You just never know what to expect in these ball games. But, um, but here's how it all went down. It was 24-22 win for Army. They finished the year 9-4. But Missouri got out and running, man. It was 10-0 before anybody kind of knew what was happening. I'm, and I'm thinking, well, wait, wait, wait a minute here. Maybe Eli's got it figured out here. Army climbs back into the game with a 22-yard run on a six-play, 75-yard drive. Just took two minutes off the clock. Made it 10-7. Mizzou mounts a nice drive, and then they kick a field goal. Can't finish. And they come back late in the second quarter, just before the half. Another nice drive, and again, can't finish. They had to kick a field goal. But it puts them up two scores. It's 16-7 at the break. Could have been a situation here where Missouri may have put in the game away in the first half. They're unable to do so. Give Army's defense a lot of credit. Army comes back, really takes control of this ball game uh, late. So Army puts together a 17-play, 75-yard drive, takes eight minutes and 25 seconds off the clock, a 10-yard run to pay dirt, makes it 16-14. So they're back in the mix. They get the stop. And then put together another lengthy drive, 13 plays, 56 yards, a 14-yard touchdown pass. Makes it 21-16 Army. Now, Mizzou puts together a late drive to win the game, right? They go down there and score with a minute 11 to go in the game, six-yard touchdown pass after an 11-play, caps an 11-play, 83-yard drive. Took just 133 off the clock. I mean, you get the ball back less than three minutes. You got to go down there and make some things happen. Got to get a touchdown. What do they do? They put it in the end zone. They go for two and miss. But it's a 22-21 lead. Of course, if they had made the two-point conversion, then a field goal doesn't beat you. Well, guess what happened? A field goal beat them. Army drives down the field. Minute 11 to go, eight plays, 51 yards, and then Cole Talley connects on a 41-yard field goal to win the game. Exciting game there in the Armed Forces Bowl, and Army uh, with the w, their 
24-22. So pretty, pretty eventful game here. Pretty exciting in many respects. I mean, what else could you have? You know, nice comeback, kind of back and forth late, and then somebody kicks a field goal to win it. I like it, man. I really do. Looking at some numbers here. You know, we knew that Army could run the football. We absolutely did, but not as convincing as we expected it to be. They only win the rushing battle 211 to 195, so give Mizzou a lot of credit there. Mizzou actually outgained him in first downs, 28 on the night, and then had 238 yards passing. So total offense, Mizzou 433, Army just 306. Army threw it just nine times, but an efficient six of nine. Then had the one touchdown there. So give Mizzou's defense some credit for kind of standing up and giving them a chance to compete in this ballgame. They just couldn't finish the deal. And it's amazing, too. I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. It's like I want the SEC to do well in bowl season, but not too well. You know what I'm saying? Like, if we win our ball game, I'm, I'm kind of okay with other people winning. I want people to do good, just not better than us. But, you know, Brady Cook from Mizzou, 27 of 34 on the night, sacked three times, does one touchdown pass. Uh, but, you know, Mizzou – Ran the football pretty well. But, again, they're missing some players here. Had some opt-outs, that sort of stuff. But um, still, a great chance to win the game. They don't. I mean, and it, what's here's a cool thing, too. Army didn't even have a 70-yard rusher in the ballgame. I thought they would run roughshod over Missouri, as bad as they've been. Leading rusher for them, 21 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. Average 3.8 yards as a team in this ballgame. So, good on Mizzou for making a game of it, and uh, good on Army for finding a way to win. So, we're 1-0 and on the ball season, and I need to be. I've been, I've been chasing, and I, I picked some upsets earlier in the year in our jeanspage.com picks, and I've been paying for it ever since. And Missouri's let me down time and time again. All right, Central Florida and Florida. You know, Greg Knox – our good friend, Greg Knox, coached Mississippi State to a win in the Gator Bowl against Louisville and then coached Florida to a win over Florida State to get them bowl eligible and end Florida State season. He's 2-0 and as a coach. Somebody asked me the other day, do you think Greg Knox could be a good G5 coach? Yeah, probably so. We had to find some recruiters. You know, but Greg is a very even-tempered man. He's a man of faith. And, the, and he's a guy that I believe, honestly. I think he is a man of real character. I do think that he could run a program. I don't know that he could run a Power 5 program. The demands of that and the, re- the recruiting aspect of it all I think would be difficult. But he'd have to have some recruiters. I think Greg Knox could, could get the job done. Greg's got a chance to go 3-0 and and win his second bowl game. I wonder how many interim coaches out there are 2-0 and in bowl games. Probably not many. I don't think Greg can win the ball game, though. I think Central Florida – I pick at 24-20 Central Florida. I just think these are the kinds of games that teams like Central Florida live for. You remember they had the big uh, brouhaha between the athletic directors when, you know, UCF said Florida wouldn't play them and that sort of stuff, and Strickland kind of countered back, and there was some public comments made. And then lo and behold, what happens is we're all going down here to the Gasparilla Bowl for a little shindig. Let's get together. I just think Central Florida has more to play for. I know there's a lot of pride in that Florida uniform, but the reality of it is, is, you know, hey, there's a new staff coming in. 
and playing hard for my friends and my teammates. But, uh, you know, Central Florida situation, I think it's just a little bit different. I just think they've got a little more mojo. I think they'll find a way to win the game. I'd like to see Florida win. I'd like to see Greg Knox win. I'd like to see our former friends out there that really had nothing to do, the guys that didn't get the big buyout, you know, get their bowl bonuses and maybe get a victory to head on out of the next job. It'll be interesting to see how many of those former Mississippi State assistants, uh, you know, stay in the league or where they end up going. Think about Greg Knox for a second here. You know, Greg Knox is almost like the Methuselah of uh, SEC assistant coaching. That guy has worked at four different schools, and he's been he, he's been in the league since the 90s. He worked for Tommy Tuberville at Ole Miss, left there, went to Auburn with Tuberville. Tuberville, you know, uh, leaves, I guess, and goes to Texas Tech. I guess he went to Cincinnati. But anyway, so Knox then joins Dan Mullen at Mississippi State and then goes to Florida. So the guy has worked like, you know, a thousand years in the league for two coaches. He has got to be the most loyal SEC assistant coach of all time. Somebody gives him a job, he's like, okay, I'll just ride this wave with you. And he obviously does a good job coaching his players. He's put a lot of guys in the league. He's not a great recruiter. He is a great man, and he is a great teacher. If you ever watch him in drills, guys full of energy, you never see Greg Knox – Stay mad for long. Now, he may be disappointed in the guy, but uh, the reality of it is, is I think Greg Knox is a guy that uh, will land somewhere and probably, you know, stay with another coach for the remainder of his career. The guy's very, very loyal. I respect it, man. I really do. There's so many, so many people out there that are such self-promoters. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you know, and we've had some here, you know, with their resume, their resume building opportunities are, are bigger than the responsibility they have to their players, the university. But that wasn't the case of Greg Knox. And so I hope things work out for him, Dave Turner, really everybody over there. And there's so many people over there that I care about and and I wish the best for them. I do think they're in trouble, though, against Central Florida. I do think Florida's got the athletes to make this thing a game. But, you know, this Florida quarterback situation is a mess. I mean, it is an absolute mess. All right, Houston and Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know, I think Auburn probably feels that they're just, you know, kind of happy to be somewhere. You end the regular season on a four-game losing streak. You know, you're six and two. You're ranked in, what, 13, 14 in the country. You're feeling great about life, and you kind of control your own destiny, right? It's like, hey, we could win this thing out, and we could go to the SEC championship game. And then you don't win again. Sometimes teams forget how to win. Sometimes teams lose faith in their coach or their offensive scheme or their defensive scheme. They lose faith in each other. I just wonder if Houston's not going to show up in this deal kind of pouting a little bit. I mean, Houston had a chance to win the AAC. They get they had a great year this year, and they end up in Birmingham. How does that happen? I think Houston's a better team than Auburn. That's not to say that Auburn doesn't have athletes, but when you look at this Auburn team, it, this thing is a mess, man. Bo Nix is now transferred to Oregon. You got Finley out there. You know, he's had the benefit of all your, your, your bowl practices. But, I mean, the guy's somewhat limited as a passer. He's got a big arm. But I, I, he's not going to beat you throwing the football. I, again, I think this is a ball game where Houston probably wants Auburn a whole lot more than Auburn wants Houston. Now, the benefit for Auburn is the game's played in Birmingham. So, it's going to be a, a partisan crowd. And Auburn people support their program. And it's a first-year coach over there. It's not like anybody soured on Harson yet. I just think Houston's a better team. I pick at 34-24 Houston in this ballgame. All right, Tennessee and Purdue, they're going to get together. This will be awfully interesting. I, I really like this matchup. I think this could be one of the more competitive games of the bowl season. I like it a lot. I also like what Josh Heupel has done. I also – you know, kind of understand, you know, what's coming down the pipe here with the uh, probation. You know, that, that, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Nobody's really talking about that. You know, that's one of the things I give credit to some of these schools that they get in some trouble and they say, hey, we're not going to have a further statement, and then they don't have a further statement. There are other people who can't wait, can't wait to talk. Well, here's what's interesting, too. Tennessee and Purdue have played one time in school history. Way back in 1979, 
I was just a young pup back then, and Purdue won the ball game. So Tennessee looking for their first win ever over the Purdue Boulder You would think a program as uh, longstanding as Tennessee would have played those guys more. They haven't. So that'll be interesting, to say the least. I like Tennessee in this ballgame. Again, I think it'll be very, very competitive. I got it 31-27 Purdue, excuse me, Tennessee. I also think, too, that this being in Nashville, there will be a ton, a ton of Tennessee fans there. A ton. How much does that help? We'll see. I think Josh Heupel has maybe not gotten enough credit this year for the job he's done at Tennessee. They've got talent, but offensively, you know, he's had them have some big ball games. There have been some times, too, where they, they couldn't get a defensive stop to, to put a game away. But with plenty of time to prepare, I like Tennessee in the ball game. Really, really do. Let's look North Carolina, South Carolina. This is a match made in heaven, and they're going to play it in Charlotte. This should be one of the better attended games of the bowl season. I think we would all probably agree with that. Makes perfect sense. South Carolina fans feeling pretty good about life today. You know, they didn't – I don't think most of them expected to be in a ball game, and nor should they have expected to be in a ball game. Yet here we are. And I'm not, re- I'm not ready to give Shane Beamer, uh, you know, the keys to the Cadillac or anything, but the reality of this deal is Shane Beamer's ahead of schedule. And people say, well, you know, Steve, you know, the SEC East was kind of down this year, and we got all these 6-6 six and six teams. You know what, that's true, but they're one of them. They were picked to win four games. Then they're six and six. They beat Florida. It's a big win for them. And it's funny, you go back and look, they nearly lost to Vanderbilt, but they beat Florida. So the Gamecocks and the Tar Heels have played a ton, right? It is a 35-19-4 series in favor of North Carolina. The last meeting, also in Charlotte, North Carolina. Matter of fact, the last two meetings were in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the Tar Heels win that one back in 19, uh, 24-20. Neither of those games are bowl games. This happened to be neutral side games. So it's not going to be you know, a place that people are unfamiliar with. And I think it'll be a very, very good atmosphere for college football. I think both teams will turn out and play pretty well. I just like North Carolina a little bit more. I think it boils down to quarterback play. I think UNC uh, will likely be a little bit better offensively. I'm not just – I'm not bullish on this UNC team earlier in the year. A lot of people thought they could make the playoff. I, I, I wish somebody would keep tabs on some of these hot takes. I mean, real, I, mean I, I wish they would. I know they, you have the freezing cold takes thing, but I think some of these – there are so many things that get said at the beginning of the year that just aren't rooted in reality. This is one of them. But I think North Carolina ends the year on a positive note with a win over South Carolina. And then we'll see what kind of coach Shane Beamer is next year. They won't sneak up on anybody next year. And, again, I go back to the fact this is a guy that got his team ball eligible having to play three quarterbacks. That's, that's a pretty good job right there. I mean, how many teams do you know if they had lost their first and second team quarterbacks would still find a way to get ball eligible? Most, most teams, the season sunk. Give Beamer some credit. Uh, I had picked Wake Forest to beat A&M 20-17 because I just thought A&M didn't have a quarterback. And, again, I think that probably factors in the decision, probably makes it a little bit easier, I suspect. And, again, it's just not a good look. I thought Wake would win the ballgame. It won't matter in the end. Okay, Penn State and Arkansas. I think this is going to be old-school football here. I really do. You know, I'm a K.J. Jefferson fan. I think that he will uh, – 
find some success running the football. I like this Penn State defense, though. I don't know how many times you guys have watched them play, but, you know, that's I, one of my bucket list things, too, guys, is I want to go to a wideout at Penn State, and I want to have a great time, and I want to watch Penn State win a football game. And this is a cool thing, too. This is the first ever meeting between Penn State and Arkansas. That's pretty cool, too, right? They've never met in football. I like Penn State in the game. I do think it'll be a very, very physical game, probably one that goes down to the last possession. I got Penn State winning this thing 31-27. I think James Franklin is a better coach than some people want to believe. I think he'll have his guys ready to go. And that's the thing, too. You're running against a Big Ten defense. That's kind of what they do up there. And so this Arkansas running game is can be very potent at times. So it's a strength-on-strength strength deal. I just think Penn State, in the end, will find a way to win. All right, Kentucky and Iowa. You know, you know, guys, I'm, I guess I'm a Kentucky hater. Uh, they were better than I expected them to be. They're not as good as many others expected them to be. I remember some people expected them to be 11-1 and one this year. It's a joke, man. Oh, my gosh, what a joke. So Kentucky's winning this ballgame, though. Uh, listen, Iowa, and what's incredible too, you know, Kirk Ferentz is like, his name used to always come up for these jobs constantly. Every time you turned around, it's almost like Iowa's just not good enough. And we, and we feel that too, right? There are sometimes too, like when our coaches come up for a job, like, oh, well, how'd they, how could they be possibly be happy at Mississippi State? Well, Kentucky and Iowa are going to meet for the first time too. And when you look at this, you know, Iowa football team, you know, they have been one of the more consistent teams, not just in the in the Big Ten, but in the Big Twelve, but in the country. I mean, this is a this is an Iowa Hawkeye team that you want to talk about consistency. That's what they've had. I I like it. And I hated that we got drilled by them. But listen, they went ten and three this year, played for the Big Ten championship. And let's just go back and look a little bit too, because again, I think this is just kind of a sneaky deal. So, they didn't make a ball game in 2020, right? Even though they went 6-3. and three. They finished the year ranked in the top 15. Okay, so, you know, Kirk Ferentz has been there since 99. Let me just run this off for you. Okay, so they go 1-10 in 99, then 3-9 in 2000. Well, it's a big year three, right? you got to turn it around. Well, so, they win the Alamo Bowl and go 7-5. Okay, in year four... 11 and 2. And they play the Orange Bowl against USC. 2003, another 10 win season. Win the Outback Bowl. 10 more wins in 2004. Win the Capital One Bowl. 2005, they lose to Florida in the Outback Bowl, but still have a 7 and 5 year. Finally, get a losing season again in 06. 6 and 7 after losing to Texas 26 24 in the Alamo Bowl. They go 500 and 07 and miss the bowl game. But then they're right back in it. This is when they kind of found their groove. Nine and four, and they win the Outback in 2008. 11 wins again in 2009, and they win the Orange Bowl against Georgia Tech. Eight and five in 2010, they win the Insight Bowl against Mizzou. Seven and six, and then lose the Insight Bowl against Oklahoma in 2011. Four and eight. In 2012, kind of get the end of a talent cycle there. And then they, they just kind of gear back up again. 
Eight and five, lose the Outback Bowl to LSU. Competitive ball game, though. 14, seven to six, lose Tennessee. 15, they're a 12 and two team. They lose the Rose Bowl to Stanford. Got drilled, but finished ninth in the country that year. In 16, eight and five, lose the Outback Bowl. 17, eight and five, win the Pinstripe Bowl against BC. Then they beat us in 18, as you guys know, finished the year nine and four. They go right back and win 10 more. So, I mean, if you look, I mean, in the the three last normal years, let's just throw 2020 out, even though they went six and two. So they're 10 and three this year, play for a Big Ten championship. They were 10 and three in 19, nine and four in 18. Guys, this is what programs want to be. This is absolutely what they want to be. But I think Kentucky will find a way to win. Maybe it's just that I'm a little bit gun shy because I have uh, hated on Kentucky some this year. But I think Kentucky wins the ball. I, I just think Kentucky will have it. And then Will Levis uh, announced recently he's coming back next year. That's good for Kentucky. I think he is a good quarterback, and maybe he can be a really good quarterback next year. Uh, missed on some big throws against us. Ball placement accuracy is a little bit lacking. But uh, that's big for Kentucky to have him back, to say the least. All right, Kansas State and LSU. You know, what's LSU going to do at quarterback? I mean, that's the thing. Who's going to take the snaps? What are you going to do? I like Kansas State in this game. I just think LSU doesn't have anything left. I think LSU gave everything they had to beat A&M. And who knew that would be the last uh, game of the year for the Aggies? You send Ed Orr's run off, uh, you know, to the beach, whatever. And then you got to get ready to go play a football game again. Yeah, so what are you going to do? You know, it's just – it's insane to think about – the quarterback situation at LSU, um, after all the opt-outs and transfers and everything else, and uh, just not sure what to expect. You know, Miles Brennan, you know, is is a guy that announced he's going to return. You know, so what does that mean? You know, there's some joking out there that LSU might actually uh, put a wide receiver back there and just kind of get after it. You know, run the Wildcat or whatever. You know, it's just – it's pretty crazy. But Garrett Nussmeyer is expected to be, uh, to be the guy, and you're going to have to burn his red shirt to get it done. It just seems unfair. It really does. But you know what? The guy's a competitor, and you put him on scholarship to play football, you need him to play. You know, maybe that gives him a leg up on the race next year. I still think Kansas State wins the ball game. All right, Sugar Bowl. I know people are waiting with this with bated breath. I'm going Baylor in the ballgame, not just because I'm a hater. I just think Dave Aranda is a defensive genius. I think Dave Aranda will find a way to spy Matt Corral and kind of make him get rid of the football before he's ready. And, you know, Baylor's just kind of flying under the radar here. It's like everybody's just expected Ole Miss to win. And, listen, give Ole Miss some credit, too. The 2015 Sugar Bowl deal is tainted. I don't care what anybody says it is. This one – it's legit, man. You got to give Lane Kiffin and the staff credit. There's nobody out there making any allegations about these guys right now. I mean, yeah, there, of course, there's always some silliness. You know what I'm saying? But it's like everybody knew the whole Tunsil and Kim Dietschy and Treadwell thing. That that all raised a bunch of eyebrows. And so all that at 15 Sugar Bowl is tainted. It absolutely is. I don't care what anybody says or anybody does. It's tainted. I just don't feel that way about this one. I think you got to just tip your cap and say, hey, you know what, those guys had a great regular season. They deserve to be there. I still think they're going to lose the game. 
but I do think Matt Corral's a difference. If if Matt Corral has to do what he did against Tennessee, against Baylor, they're going to lose. If he has to tuck it and go a lot you know, because they're covering things up, kind of forcing him in a decision-making process, if the reads are a little more convoluted, Baylor's going to win a football game. Dave Aranda will have a game plan to beat Ole Miss and Matt Corral. Will they be able to execute it? They have the same brand of athlete? Don't know. I know Jeff Levy's back for the Bell game, so that certainly helps. But the reality of it is, I think this is going to be a really, really good game. I don't think it'll be high scoring, though. All right, let's get to the playoff games. I'm expecting an SEC championship. I know some people are picking Michigan to beat Georgia. That's a proud program that got embarrassed in the SEC championship game. Kirby Smart will have those guys ready to go. Michigan finally over the Ohio State hump. How motivated are they going to be to play? Well, I suspect a lot. A win away from playing for an NFL championship, and that's a program, too. A lot of people wanted Jim Harbaugh gone. They stayed the course. He's one of their favorite sons. Now he's got them in a playoff. you got to feel good about the trajectory of your program. I just think Georgia is going to be able to out-athlete Michigan. I do think this Michigan run defense is legit. They're going to put the game in the Georgia quarterback hands. Yeah, so we're going to see what happens. But I like Georgia in the ballgame. I do think it'll be a very close ballgame, though. 28-24, we're picking Georgia. Alabama and Cincinnati. I'm glad Cincinnati made the playoff. I think it's good for the game of college football. I also think that, um, you know, the glass slipper is about to shatter for Cinderella. I think Alabama is probably feeling about as good a about their team right now as they ever have. And again, beginning of the year, we we all said this. You know what? Alabama's going to be really, really good, but they're a little bit vulnerable this year. There were some people expecting Ole Miss to beat Alabama this year, even in the preseason. Hey, you know what? Ole Miss is an older veteran team, and they won't be intimidated by that. And next thing you know, it's 35-0 Alabama. Then they lose that game to A&M, and A&M had just lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. They were floundering, and they beat Alabama. And so despite all that, Alabama was chasing this all year long. Of course, they had to beat Ole Miss to, uh, you know, to get a you know, leg up in the tiebreaker for the SEC West. They needed some help along the way. But they, they didn't coast this year. They had to earn it down the stretch. And I think you've seen some guys grow up for them. It's going to be interesting, too. Alabama pretty thin and in secondary to do some injuries. What's that running back room look like, you know, come the bowl game? But um, I think Alabama is going to win this game big. I really do. I, I just don't think Cincinnati can match up on the outside. Bryce Young is a guy that uh, can make some things happen. He throws a very catchable ball. His ball placement's only gotten better as the year's gone on. How he played in that SEC championship game was just simply outstanding. He's won the Heisman Trophy now. The guy's ready to go. This is his moment. I like Alabama big against Cincinnati. And I th- listen, I think it would be great for college football if Cincinnati won this game. I just don't think they got the horses to get it done. I just don't. And then we'll talk about a championship game whenever it gets here. But that's how I see the picks. And, of course, we're already 1-0. We're going undefeated, man. That's what we're doing. We're going undefeated. And, uh, I- I, listen, I enjoy the bowl picks and I enjoy the bowl games. I could watch just about anybody play because I know that it's about to end for us. But uh, excited about college baseball. We're going to talk about some college baseball stuff a little bit later in the show. 
All right, let's talk uh, about our good friend Blair Chandler. Close with Blair.com. That's close, C L O S E, with Blair.com, B L A I R. Blair Chandler is a good friend of mine. He will be a good friend to you. Everybody needs a friend in the industry, especially when you're dealing with something as complicated and stressful as getting a mortgage. Blair is a guy that can take care of you. He's the guy that knows how to get things done. Maybe you're a non-conforming borrower. Maybe you're self-employed. Maybe you've got, you know, a mixed-use property. You know, maybe you've got some uniqueness to your lending opportunities out there. Well, the bottom line is Blair has seen it all and done it all. There's not a loan out there that scares him. He said, well, Steve, you hadn't seen my situation. You know what? It doesn't matter. And maybe if you don't qualify today, Blair can put you on a path to get you qualified down the road. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage and perhaps uh, consolidate some debt, lower your overall monthly payments, he can help you with that. Good time to take advantage of that while the interest rates are still low. And, of course, if you have the dream of home ownership, Blair can do his best to make that dream become a reality for you. And by being a lawyer bond yard listener, if you just mention to Blair, whether it be by text, by email, over the phone, and say, hey, I heard about you on the bond yard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's a cool deal right there. It's about a five to $600 value. Let me give you Blair's personal cell number. It's sitting in an office number. It's sitting in some, you know, a personal assistance number. This is his number. 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Give Blair Chandler a call today. You'll be glad you did. Again, that's closedblair.com. Okay, so no music today. I changed my mind. I was thinking about this. You know, we were kind of getting down to the bottom of the barrel with the Christmas music stuff, and I really just wanted to change it up. So Roy has a day off today. Wanted to go top ten Christmas movies. And my list is going to differ from most of yours, and that's okay. I have some irreverent ones in here. I have some classic ones in here. I've got some modern ones that I think are, are special. But here we go, top ten Christmas movies as I see them. Number ten on the list the ref with dennis leary if you haven't seen it it is a hysterical wild ride a lot of craziness happens you've got this dysfunctional family it's got all these secrets and the next thing you know everybody's arguing and griping and complaining and you know it's christine baranski's in the movie and she is fantastic check it out today the ref with dennis leary and of course you get to the end of it and it's like uh, like all christmas movies it kind of comes uh full circle you know, all of a sudden, you know, the bad guy, not so scroogey in the end. Number nine, similar situation. This is probably the most irreverent Christmas movie you'll ever see. It's Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton. You probably have seen it. It is a wild ride, to say the least, and Billy Bob Thornton is a thief posing as a Santa Claus and then befriends this kid. Next thing you know, when it's all said and done, the kid kind of convinces him to believe in the Christmas spirit. It's a, it's a great movie. It's not for your kids, though. And again, it's kind of crude, obnoxious humor, and sometimes that's, uh, just, that's just right where it needs to be. Hits you right in the right spot. Number eight, and some would suggest this isn't a Christmas movie. It is. It's Home Alone. I've seen all those movies. The first one's the best one. I remember watching it in the theater, and all of a sudden Macaulay Culkin's like everybody's little brother. Home Alone is a great Christmas movie. I think my kids probably watch it just about every year. Uh, number seven, going back several years, It's a Wonderful Life. And this, is again, is one of those things where you, you look around and think about all the things you don't have. 
And then by the end of the movie, you realize, you know, I, there are a lot of people that have it worse than me, and I actually have it pretty good. It is a wonderful life. Number six, Miracle on 34th Street, another American classic. If you've never seen it, you should. You absolutely should. It'll have you believing in Santa Claus again. Number five, again, kind of a comedy here. Saw this in theater, too. It's Scrooged Well, Bill Murray. Really, really funny movie. And again, kind of gets you in the, in the feels late. Number four, an American classic, The Grinch. I remember being scared of The Grinch when I was a kid. It's like, how can you not like Christmas? What's the matter with you? You know The Grinch was an Ole Miss fan. You know he was. Probably still is. Maybe he defected, you know, when his heart got full with Christmas spirit in the end. But uh, never really liked The Grinch as a character, as a kid. But as an adult, I can see, you know, in order for us to have uh, the goodness, we've got to have some evil. So there you go. I'm glad The Grinch defected, though. Number three, man, uh, I love this movie, and I've seen all of them in the series, but the first one is the best one. It's the Santa Claus Right? Santa falls off a roof, breaks his neck, and there's a card in his pocket and says, hey, you're the new Santa Claus. And then, uh, you know, the next thing you know, it's a wild ride, man. And it's great. Love the movie. I think you will, too. If you don't know it, go check it out. I guess there's three of them. I know there's two. Probably maybe three. Maybe more. Maybe a whole franchise. Who knows? Maybe it'll be like Star Wars. Uh, number two is Elf. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. I love the movie, man. I love all those characters. I think Will Ferrell is hysterical in this movie. James Caan is great. He's a perfect foil for Will Ferrell. And uh, there's just so much to this one. It's a very layered story. Will Ferrell, of course, is the star. But, again, it's about spreading Christmas cheer. I I love the movie. I love what he does when he decorates... uh, he stays up all night, and everybody's concerned about they're gunning for my job. It's good. It's too good. The decorations for Christmas, that is. But number one for me, and I think it's, uh, it's a shame that Chevy Chase is no longer the uh, comedic icon that he once was. I guess at some point we all get old. He did have some cameos in the Hot Tub Time Machine movies, which are also fabulous, especially the first one. But you got to go Christmas Vacation. There's just so many one-liners in that movie. It's almost like Tombstone. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's just so many great scenes in it. It's hard to pick your favorite. And you know, Randy Quaid, I, I think, is the runaway star in this movie. As great as Clark Griswold is, and I love Ellen Griswold, and I know most of you do too. But without Cousin Eddie, the movie's not nearly as funny. It is an incredible cast. I love the way that uh, the, the comedic chemistry between Quaid and Chevy Chase it's it's phenomenal I I wish they'd come back and do another vacation movie they're all great the first one was great European vacation was great Christmas vacation maybe the best one uh and then you know they had the Vegas vacation too I mean there's just there's a lot of good stuff in that series I wish it would continue maybe do you know maybe they go camping or something i don't know but uh, i like it so there you go my top 10 christmas movies you may disagree that's fine You're, you can have your own list your list would be wrong um but 
I enjoy this time of year. And I guess and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but one of the things I like most about it, too, is just the kindness that people show each other. You know, this time of year, it's, and it's not just about getting. It's the joy in giving. And it gives everybody the opportunity to feel pretty good about life. So, so there you go. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Uh, I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. I went in there and spent a bunch of money a few days ago. Got everybody in the family some more Mississippi State merch. I'm eager to give it to them because I want to see them smile because they love Mississippi State as much as you do. And so it's the one-stop shop. And if you can't make it to town and see standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, visit them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase of pace, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And the cool thing about it is just about anything you could ever imagine, Mississippi State-related is going to be there at Campus Bookmart. If they, can't, if they don't have it, they can find it. Miss Kathy Brown, one of the best buyers in the industry. I have a lot of faith and confidence in her. You will too. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little college baseball recruiting here. You know, we talked about one of the collegiate baseball preseason polls, and I had some people say, hey, Steve, yeah, that's great. How did we do in recruiting? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you. So Mississippi State, according to Perfect Game, and Perfect Game is kind of considered to be the experts, they have the Mississippi State signing class number six number six in the country. Now, so where does that run? Let's just start here maybe at 20 and run down. Oklahoma's at 20, NC State at 19, Clemson 18, Duke 17, Florida 16. And that's a big departure from where they usually are. Texas at 15, Virginia 14, Alabama 13. How about that? Bohannon getting it done over there. Uh, A&M 12, Georgia Tech 11. Georgia Tech should always recruit well in baseball. Always, 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 always. Uh, Texas Tech, 10. Auburn, 9. And good for Butch. Uh, Florida State, 8. Miami, 7. Of course, Mississippi State, 6. Arkansas, 5. Ole Miss, 4. Uh, Louisville, 3. Vanderbilt, 2. LSU, number 1. LSU with 11 top 100 players. That's really the difference between them and Vanderbilt. Vandy has 10. LSU has 11. Now, of course, a lot of these guys are going to go on a draft. They are. Mississippi State with four top 100 players. Uh, Ole Miss with three. Louisville with five. Arkansas with just two. Uh, but so let's take a look inside the class here real briefly. I know a lot of you guys won't, won't be familiar with the names, but uh, uh, Gerangelo Sagente is the ambidextrous pitcher. I will be shocked if he comes to school. Shocked, I tell you. 5'11", 167 pounds of uh, champagne Catholic or Champanet Catholic there in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Dakota Jordan, you know him well, right? Also committed to play football at Mississippi State. Goes to JA, a six-foot, 215-pound outfielder. If he comes to school, I think that he is a guy that is a part-time contributor as a freshman and a starter as a sophomore. Guy can really play. Uh, Ross Highfield out of Madison Central, former Southern Miss commitment. I've had so many people tell me when he committed to Mississippi State that this was one of the more significant signings we've had in a couple years. That this is a guy that can manage pitchers. He's competitive. He's a great receiver. Pretty good with the bat. Expected to be a Major League Baseball catcher at some point. 
That's a really good get for us. And we have been blessed with some great catchers over the years. We really have been. And it's nice to be able to start stacking these guys together. You get Ross in this year, let him kind of get his feet wet, kind of get him rolling here, right? And then, um, you know, you know, he's in kind of position next fall to come in here and compete. Of course, these guys will be playing baseball in the spring. You know, Logan Tanner is going to be out of here this year. Logan Tanner's probably a first-round draft pick this year. Then you've got Ross to come in here and compete next year. Does he start as a true freshman? I don't know. Kind of depends on how quickly he can get up to speed you know, catching the college-level breaking ball. That's something I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate. Until you've blocked it up, until you've seen it on the college level, you don't know if you can do it. I know Ross is a competitor. He'll figure it out. But there's a big difference between an SEC breaking ball than there is an MIAS breaking ball. All due respect to everybody else, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Jet Williams, shortstop out of uh, Heath, Texas, Rockwall. You guys should be familiar with that. Rockwall uh, produces college football prospects regularly. But here's the deal. Jet Williams not quite as prospecty as some other guys. He's 5'8", 178. We expect him to come to school. He will probably get drafted late. I don't think it'll be enough for him uh, to make the move. A lot of people have told me, you know, he is basically Lane Forsythe made over with a little bit better bat. But he's a guy that, you know, defensively is on the same level. That's big. Uh, McLean Ray, a big right-handed pitcher out of Tupelo, 6'4", 195, expecting some big things from him. It will be interesting to see what Major League Baseball scouts think about him uh, long-term. Uh, Logan Forsythe, the right-handed pitcher, no relation uh, to Lane, out of the Iverville, Mississippi. Eager to see what he can do as well. Will Gibbs, another guy from Jackson Prep, 5'11", 180-pounder. Evan Sierra, right-handed pitcher from Starville Academy, just down the road from Columbus, but 6'2", 192. Really a frame that you expect to fill out. Uh, we won't run through the whole class here, but um, you got some dudes, man. That's the thing. When, you, when you're the NAFL champions, you're, you recruit at a high level. And Chris Lamonis has already done a good job recruiting at Mississippi State. And now, and now you're beginning to kind of see the benefits. It's no longer a promise anymore. Hey, we're going to do it. You're going to be part of the first team to do it. Well, now you, maybe you can be part of the second team to do it because we're the defending NAFL champions. And the way that we're seeing this thing shape up in 23 and 24 – State's going to stay right there. And that's the thing, too. You, you stay in a top ten in recruiting, you get most of those guys to come to school, you're going to be in Omaha more years than not. And that's what Lamontis is focused on. He said before, we love to win the SEC championship, but not at the expense of a top eight national seed. We want to be able to host the regional and the super regional and get to Omaha, then we'll see how things go. Still buzzing over that, of us winning an national championship. I know you guys are as well. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico as we get ready to get out of here and enjoy our, our time with our friends and family. Brooks Bryan is a, is a great guy, man. Brooks part of a great group, a great group that's brought this wonderful residential development to Starkville. Really excited about this. You should be too. You know, maybe you're looking to move to Starkville. Maybe it's been your dream one day. Let's move back to Starkville or let's move to Starkville for the first time. The Golden Triangle is a great place to live, a great place to work. Portico on the cutting edge of the new construction. 1.1 miles from campus, easy access to 82, 12, and 25. So convenient, the campus, man, you're not even going to be able to believe it. 
you're not even going to be able to believe how close you are to campus. But you're on the, the right side of campus. You're on the residential side. Now, phase one, completely sold out now. Completely sold out. Phase two is underway, pouring slabs, can get going, need the weather to cooperate a little bit. But uh, you can pick out your lots, you can pick out your house plans, the next thing you know, you're in your new home. Whether it be a second home for you, maybe it's a ball game retreat weekend type escape uh, property for you, maybe it's a retirement home for you. Portico's got all kinds of house plans to fit your needs, whether it be a two-bedroom, two-bath, up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. You'll be glad you did. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I'd move to Portico. And you could be my neighbor. How about that? Come to Mr. Robertson's neighborhood. Uh, Give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. They can get you paired up whatever you need. That's the main thing. Brooks and them have friends in the industry. If you you have questions, you need information, uh, Brooks will take care of you. So I wanted to spend a few minutes here in our final time together before Christmas. And I just want to tell you how thankful I am for each of you. You know, this time of year, we always kind of get a little bit nostalgic. And, and I'm a guy, too, man. I'm so task-oriented. Like, I've always got something going on. Whether it be this podcast or, you know, somebody else's radio show or there's an article I got to write or a book something I got to go to. I've always got something going on. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I don't, I get kind of stir-crazy. But you guys have been so incredibly supportive of me. I've told you guys before, when I first started doing this show, I didn't want to do the show. They asked me to do a show, I told them no. No, I don't want to do it. I don't know if you guys have a good business model. You know, Bulldog Sports Radio initially had a bunch of shows with, uh, you know, just kind of some cat, some fans. And uh, nothing against those guys, but they didn't, they didn't have any access. And they were just guys that just love Mississippi State. And you know what? There's a place for that. But it didn't work. It didn't work in Bulldog Sports Radio. They weren't able to sustain the listens. They weren't able to keep advertisers. And so they revamped Bulldog Sports Radio. They brought on Brian Haydad full-time. They brought me on. And now, now, now all of a sudden we started getting some things together. Bulldog Sports Radio was great while it lasted. I, used to, I, I missed the app. But uh, the reality of it is all of a sudden I woke up one day and said, you know, I kind of like doing this show. We used to be a 25-minute show. We were a 25-minute show and had three advertisers. So I feel like I spent half my time talking about ads. And so we, we changed the format. And so there have been so many people that have reached out to me and said, you know what, Steve, you got this great show, and I feel like I don't miss anything. I'm not there. I can't listen to talk radio in Mississippi. I live you know, across the country or across the globe. And I feel like that I'm part of that. I feel like that, you know what, whatever I need to know, I hear about on the boneyard. And it means a lot to me. I want you guys to feel like that this is well worth your time, effort, and trouble to sit down and listen to this show. Whether it be about recruiting, whether it be behind-the-scenes stuff, whether it be about in-game coverage, whatever. You know, I go to every Mississippi State football and baseball game home or away, with rare exception. I get out and go. I don't, I don't know. And people, well, you can watch on TV. It's not the same. It's just not. You know, in baseball, you can't even talk to Chris Simonis if you don't go to the game. Do you know that? You can't. You can't interview the players on the road in college baseball unless you go to the games. And I'm grateful to Mississippi State they do that because I go to the games. I like to be there. I like to see who's taking BP. I like to see who's, uh, you know, maybe not participating in drills that day. I like to see when, you know, a player's working in a different position. You're not going to see that stuff on TV. You're not going to see it. And so, so many of you respect the effort, and uh, I thank you for it. You know, one of the things that irritates me, and uh, 
I hate to be kind of Scrooge this time of year. You know, there are a lot of people that, you know, want to appear to be experts on everything. Let me tell you this. I, I kind of know my role. You know, we get out here and talk a little basketball, and I coached basketball for a while. But I don't follow Mississippi State men's basketball the way Paul Jones does. I don't. I don't follow women's basketball the way that Robbie Falk does. And you know what? Paul nor Robbie follow college baseball the way I do, even though Robbie does contribute a great deal, especially with the home games, and he's made some road trips too with me. Um, and so nobody's covering it better than we are. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the things that I like us at times to have some singleness of purpose. You know, it's all hands on deck for football. But, you know, men's basketball is Paul's baby. And there are times that I hear stuff and we'll compare notes, but it's Paul's, it's Paul's story to write. And the same thing for Robbie. You know, Robbie's going to have, uh, you know, his hands full here in the coming weeks, you know, working through a potential coaching change. I mean, we expect to have a new women's basketball coach uh, here in a couple months. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, what we do, we feel really good about. And what we know, we feel really good about. And you guys have been so incredibly gracious to not just me, but our entire staff over at jeanspage.com. And uh, we got a great thing going over there. We really do. And, um, you know, Gene is approaching retirement. And we'll make a few tweaks and changes here and there. You know, we're not going to you know, reinvent the wheel, you know, the first 90 days. But uh, we're already kind of hashing out some ideas and things you want to do. And, and I think it's going to be an exciting year for us in 2022. I really do. And uh, I've said before, you know, Dave Murray, I had no idea who Dave Murray was. And my sister got my dad a subscription to Dog's Bite, a little tabloid. And, and it would show, I'd go to my dad's house, he'd have it. I'm like, you mean you can just write about Mississippi State? Who I, I got to find out who this Dave Murray guy is and how he got this job because uh, that's a job I want. And now it's a job that I have. And sometimes I think I might even be overexposed. I mean, I've written, you know, what, five books in four years and, you know, we do the show three times a week, and it's you know most of the time it's an hour and a half show. I do the Facebook live stuff, I do the chat sessions, and it's just like you know sometimes I feel like I do too much. But the reality of it is, is I want you guys to be informed. I remember those days when I was on the other end of this deal, you know, and sometimes like oh they wouldn't update the, the scuttlebutt, or you know somebody would decide to write some cockamamie story about something that didn't matter, and I'm like you know if I ever got the chance, man. I want to be the advocate for our Bulldog fans. I, you know, I want to be there and get all as much information as I can and then share that with Bulldog fans around the country. I remember when I first got here, I was amazed at how many players they were made available at media relations stuff. I'm like, why don't what? I said, we're going to interview every player that shows up. Why would we not? Well, I'm going to write a story about this. I'm like, no, we're going to interview everybody, whether we use it or not. We're going to, we're going to interview everybody. It's how life works. And so I think in many respects, we've kind of changed the way Mississippi State's been covered. And you guys have been very responsive to that. And uh, one of the, the dreams that I had when I got ready to move to Starkville, a lot of people said, hey, what are you going to do up there? I said, I'm going to write the Mississippi State story. I want to write books. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know who's going to publish it. I don't even know how the process works, but I'm going to, I'm going to write books about Mississippi State when I get up there. And lo and behold, you know, Paul Brown finds me, and next thing you know, uh, you know, Flim Flam is a runaway hit. And we come back with Stark Villains, and uh, again, it's a big hit. And then we decide to do Alpha Dogs, and again, it's a big hit. And what's amazing to me is that, like, Stark Villains is now selling like crazy again. I don't, I don't understand it, but thank you. 
you know, then I could put a book of poetry together and throw it out there. Many of you bought it just because I wrote it, not because you're fans of poetry. It's been on the bestseller list for six months. It's remarkable, and I thank you for it. I've got a new book coming out next month. It didn't make it from Christmas, and, and I'm still irritated about it. I, I made my peace with it a long time ago, but, uh, yeah, I'm still the one having to deal with all of it, you know. And uh, the reality of it is, is uh, I told you guys before, I worked 18 hours a day, six days a week for six weeks. I got that book done for you guys. And uh, with some assurances from our printer that we'd have it in time for Christmas, and we don't have it. And now they've set a delivery date of uh, in late January. So it is coming, and that is exciting for me too. It's like, you know what, we're just a few days away from book release month. I had a chance to visit with John Evans from Lemuria Books uh, yesterday or two days ago. John Evans, a, a fabulous bookseller and a guy that has a real appreciation for literature and for Mississippi writers. And he goes, you know, Steve, I wouldn't even feel bad about missing that on a Christmas season. You're going to have baseball season to help carry this book. And he goes, I think there are a lot of people that aren't even Mississippi State people will be interested in reading this book because it is so historical. But the reality of it is, and if I do say so myself, this is the best thing I've ever written. It's a book I was born to write. I was there. I got to see it all close and personal all throughout the year. And uh, we've sold thousands of these books already. And we're going to sell thousands and thousands more. Because this is such a special moment in our program's history. Our first NAFL championship. Not our last, our first NAFL championship. And I'm grateful for that. And I think when I look back at this year and the year in review, there's been so many things that I'm happy about. That's near the top. That's near the top. You, know, you think about some things that happen personally with your family. You know, those things should always come first, and they do. But when I think about Mississippi State, this is a moment in time we'll never forget. We'll tell our grandchildren about this. And it'll be a very positive memory for all of us, something that we share together. And I want to share this with you, too. I mean, you know, there's, there's so much that we get caught up in, you know, with bowl games. There's always, there's always something going on. There's always somewhere to be. But, you know, times like these, and we can spend a little time with our kids, and um, – you know, my kids have already had a chance to get some of their Christmas gifts from us. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, too. When I was much younger, you know, it's like you look at Christmas because it's like, man, I need some new clothes. I'm hoping I get this, hoping I get that, could use some new cologne, you know. And so you see it as a way to kind of get, you know, the, you know, the, the needful things in life. And then as you get a little bit older and you get kids of your own, you begin to realize the things that I need most in life are my kids to be happy and healthy. And there's so many people out there that cannot say that. And uh, we saw just, um, you know, just this week, you know, one of the top available quarterback prospects in the Southeast passed away, man. Unexpectedly passed away. And it just blows my mind to think about that. Robbie Roper out of Roswell, Georgia. Top quarterback prospect in the state of Georgia. Some people had him trending towards Florida. Goes in and gets a surgical procedure done on his non-throwing shoulder and has a problem with the anesthesia and then ultimately dies. And I can't even begin to imagine. You know, you're, you're probably weeks away from your child fulfilling their lifelong dream of signing a college football scholarship. And it just so happens to be an SEC team, more than likely. And so that's what's going through your mind. It's like, you know what, hey, we've had this big year this year, and he was with the 6A player of the year in the state of Georgia. 
ready to write his ticket in life, and now he's gone. And it reminds me, and I shared this with my youngest son uh, tonight over dinner, you know, when, uh, when we lost Keith, Joseph Sr. and Jr., and I remember a conversation I had with David Turner, because I was really, really upset about it, as many of you were. That's not in any way to share that my grief is, is unique. Uh, but, you know, got to know Big Keith a lot during the recruiting process. And, uh, you know, Keith Jr. Uh, was a guy that was a big deal to us. And it was so great to see the two of them really bond over Mississippi State football. Of course, they died in a tragic car accident. I remember I called David Turner. And I just wanted somebody to help me make sense of all this thing because I don't, I never understand why young people die. I'll never fully understand that. And I understand there's a greater purpose and a bigger plan that we don't always are aware of. But Dave Turner said, you know, Steve, God makes no mistakes. And that's difficult sometimes. It's difficult to accept that, but that's the reality of life. God makes no mistakes. And, um, you know, one day I hope to know these things. You know, why certain things happen and why they didn't. But I know this, that I am a very, very blessed individual. I have worked really hard for the things that I have. But I've also been very blessed along the way to have a lot of great people that have helped me. A lot of people that gave me an opportunity. I remember like it was yesterday, the first time Gene Swindoll sent me a $50 check for my first article. And uh, it meant so much to me, we took a Xerox copy of it. I still have it around here somewhere. It's a pay and writing gig. And who knew that it was going to turn into all of this? But I see you guys in the same light today as I did back then. I wanted your approval so bad. I wanted to be the Mississippi State guy. I wanted people to read my stuff and say, this guy loves Mississippi State and knows what he's talking about. And so it was always my dream to be a writer. Well, first of all, I wanted to be a rock star. That didn't work out. Then I wanted to be a writer. Then I wanted to be a sports writer. Then I wanted to be a Mississippi State writer. Then I wanted to be the Mississippi State writer. And I believe I'm there. But here's the deal. It's a partnership between you and I. Doesn't matter how well I write if you guys don't go buy the books. Doesn't matter how well I report if you guys don't subscribe to the website. Doesn't matter how well I can articulate the Mississippi State story if you don't listen to the show. So it's not just about me. It's about you. And so thank you for your continued support of me and all my endeavors, whether it be books, the Boneyard, the website, I couldn't do any of this without you guys. And uh, I don't ever want an opportunity to pass where anybody thinks, you know what, you know, Steve thinks he's too cool for school, you know. And, and uh, there are so many of you that come up to me. And I've had times, too, people will message me just out of the blue. And I remember when I was writing Flim Flam how difficult things got sometimes. And I felt totally alone in the world, totally alone. I had a lot of people, even on the Mississippi State Beach, said, Steve, just leave this alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. I got lawyers threatening me left and right, but I, I saw it through. I did. And, and sometimes when I would have those moments when I just felt like, you know, I just don't know if I can go on with this anymore, I'd get a message from one of you. Just out of the blue. And you never knew it. But it changed everything. That stuff is fuel for the soul, man. I get a message, hey, Steve, thanks for what you're doing, man. Thanks for your work. Thanks for all you do for Mississippi State and for all of us. And um, it matters, man. It does. And people will like to tell you, well, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, it's easy for me to shut out the negative, but man, I take all the positive I can possibly get. I need it. Yeah, I'm I'm a person that uh, that kind of stuff kind of fuels is fuel for the journey. So, again, thank you for all you've done for me, and uh, it is a labor of love for me. And I have so much passion about this because I want to see Mississippi State win, and I want to see you guys have a great experience. I don't want you know to look back one day and say, you know what, 
uh, Mississippi State on our watch didn't fully reach its potential, you know, because we didn't go to ball games or we didn't do this, we didn't do that. You know, this is not your God, your grandfather's MSU. You know, we're competitive in all fields of play. And so I, it's my pl- my privilege and my honor to be able to cover all that. And, uh, again, thank you guys so much. And I wish you and your families the absolute best this holiday season, whether you celebrate Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or whatever. Uh, I, I don't care what you what you worship. I just hope that you spend some time with those you love the most. And, and if you can't be together, maybe you get a chance to FaceTime or talk to each other because at the end of the day, it's all about family. We have our family here. We do. And it's not just something that we joke about. We've got the Mississippi State family, got the Boneyard family, the Jeans Page family, all that good stuff. Uh, but the people that are going to be surrounding your deathbed, those are the people that should always come first. It's not going to be your work friends. You know what I'm saying? When you're taking your final breath, there's going to be some people around your bedside table that are there to help comfort you in your time of need. And those people should always come first. And I hadn't always, uh, I hadn't always done that. To be honest with you, I hadn't always done that. I'm a bit of a workaholic. But uh, so I'm going to take some time here the next couple of days. I'm going to enjoy my kids as much as I possibly can. And uh, I hope that you guys are able to do the same. Uh, but from all of us, from the Robertson family and to everybody at Gene's Page, everybody on the Boneyard staff, everybody involved with the production of the books, let me, on their behalf, let me tell you, uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. Absolutely love you guys to death and uh, look forward to being back with you on Monday is we preview the Liberty Bowl. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.